Well, before we jump into God's Word, I just want to say thank you. Uh, last weekend when we got together on Saturday for our outdoor worship service, it was just so good to see you guys. And I did not expect uh, the the gifts and uh, the words of encouragement uh, that you were giving to me as your pastor. And I'm just so thankful for you. I love uh, this church family. I'm thankful that you're a part of it. And uh, one of the fun things about being a part of a church family is to see uh, life events that are really special. And uh, as you've already seen this morning, we're praising God for Elias Uphoff and uh, for Austin and Kayla and and uh, their little gift that, that arrived on uh, earlier this week. We're so thankful for his life and praying for him. And uh, when we recorded uh, the announcements on Thursday, uh, the next morning, somebody else decided to make her grand entrance into the world. And so uh, I get to introduce you to Ginny Rose Gill. And we are celebrating her life, praising God with JT and Janelle. So thankful for her. She was born seven pounds, three ounces on Friday morning. And just what a joy it is. How, how cool is that? Having two uh, little babies born to our church family this week. We praise God for that. Our church is growing. And uh, speaking of being a growing church, uh, that's what we really want to be pursuing together. So well, why don't you take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5 today. Uh, Romans chapter 5, where we're, we're looking at spiritual fruit. We want to see this new spiritual fruit that he is producing in our hearts, that we're seeing in our words and our actions and our reactions. It's what's coming out of our lives as we're growing to become more and more like Jesus. And what we've seen is the fruit of the Spirit. It's really one fruit, right? It's the fruit of godliness or holiness or becoming like Christ. And he produces, Galatians chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but you know it. He says the fruit of the Spirit is, we saw last week, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, today, we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's joy. If you, as a believer in Jesus are walking by the Spirit and becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, your life is going to be characterized by joy. That's what he does. That's what he produces in our hearts. And it's what he commands us, right? He commands us to do that in every season of life, no matter what the circumstance, every single circumstance we're in. He says, Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice, like in case you thought I was joking. Rejoice. Always. It's not just on Fridays when work is done or, or when the Amazon package arrives or when you've got enough stars for a free drink at Starbucks or when your team uh, uh, scores a touchdown or when this election season is over and you finally don't have to watch any more political ads. Like there's some things we're going to get kind of excited about. What he's saying though is I want you to rejoice always. Even on Mondays when you have to get up and do it all over again. Even when you get stuck in traffic or when, when your car gets scraped in the parking lot or, 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 or when you get passed up for a promotion at work or, or when your loved one's in the hospital and you're going through something scary, you're saying, always, I want, you to, I want you to be full of joy. I want you to rejoice in the Lord and be joyful. So he's, he's calling you to rejoice now and he's promising you. That joy will be the evidence of his work in your heart as you're submitting to him, as you're following his lead. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Let's be honest. Some of you are kind of feeling like that's just not fair. One, because things are really hard right now. And two, because you may be more of a realist. Maybe you even have one of those melancholic personalities. Where when you look at the world, you kind of think critically, and that can be a strength. 
but you feel the, the, the weight of real and serious problems in your life and in the world. And so, 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 so not everybody has this naturally optimistic, sunny disposition. I mean, some people just kind of wake up like Disney princesses, right? They go around singing songs and they're just floating around with this cheesy grin on their face. And you look at people like that and you just want to slap them. Because sometimes for you, just getting up in the morning, like starting your day, you just can't wait for the day to be over. And, and, and it might even be worse than that. Some of you might be going through depression, feeling that. And it's real and it hurts. And, and it's not as simple as just trying to look on the bright side or positive thinking. You tell me like, I just, I got to be joyful. I got to be happy. And I, I don't feel it. I don't feel that. How am I supposed to do that? I want to be clear that God's, God's not telling us just kind of buck up and put on a plastic smile and fake it. But joy is what he produces in us. And it is an emotional and genuine response when we have our eyes on Christ and we believe his word. It's a determined response to the truth of who God is and what he's done and what he will do. Um, the great missionary Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael served God in India for years. And, and, and she said it like this. It's the, uh, a settled happiness in the Lord who is our strength. It's a settled happiness. I, I love that. Do, 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 you have a, do you have a settled happiness? A determined, a confident, because I'm confident in my faith in the character and the actions of a great and glorious God. And because of that, I'm settled on this. I have joy even when it's hard. And even you can go through, through sorrow and longing and weeping, yet still be rejoicing in the Lord. And some of you might even be thinking today, like, I want that. But man, I need help. I've been thinking about Augustine's prayer for you. And he said it this way, God, command what you will and grant what you command. Like God has commanded us to rejoice always. So God, like I want you to command that, but now I'm asking the Lord to help me obey and trusting that God enables what he commands. I'm praying that for you too. But let's get our eyes on the gospel, okay? So, so, so here's the big idea. Before we jump into Romans chapter 5, I want you to see this. Here's our big idea this morning. You can be full of joy right now because of what Jesus has and will accomplish. You can be full of joy right now because of what Jesus has and will accomplish. Let me show this to you, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, I'm starting in verse 1. He says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. 
because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me give you uh, three reasons. Three reasons why we can have joy right now. Three reasons why we can have joy right now. Here's the first one. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. He says, verse one, he says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith. So Paul's been laying out the doctrine of of the the depravity of man and our justification, that the, the fallen condition of man, that we are deserving of God's wrath and our deep need for God's grace. Like there is no hope for us unless God is merciful and gracious to rebellious sinners. And he's arguing that we have been justified, that we've been made righteous before God because we've been given the righteousness of Christ so that now we can stand before God in a right relationship with him. We've been made right. And and he's saying, now to the implications of that, like, therefore, because that's true, he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just encourage you to don't, don't skip over that? Like, I know sometimes when we're struggling, we cast the gospel aside like it has nothing to do with what we're dealing with right now, as if we need something else. And we wouldn't say it, but sometimes when we, we, we look at it, we're like, yeah, 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 I know that Jesus died on my, uh, for my sins, but, but, but I'm dealing with, with this right now. Like, whoa, back up. We, 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 we can't let the immediacy or even the heaviness of our current struggles and the circumstances that we're going through diminish in our mind the significance of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. Man, I know that the struggles are real. I know they're hard. But don't forget this. Your biggest problem is not cancer or loneliness or unemployment or the uncertainty of the future, or, 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 or broken friendships, or whatever it is you're going through. I have to, to apply the gospel and remind myself that my biggest problem is that I didn't have peace with the God who made me, that I was at war with him. And because I'm at war with him, I'm, I'm this rebellious sinner who's in danger of his wrath, and I'm completely deserving of it. But the gospel tells me that that problem has been fixed in Jesus. That that I can have this relationship. I am forgiven. I am justified by faith, he says. And I am reconciled. I have peace with God. I can enjoy this loving relationship with the God that I once fought so hard against. But now I don't. Now my heart finds joy and satisfaction because I was made to worship him and enjoy him forever. I have that now. Because I have peace with God. Honestly, that should put everything into perspective that we're going through, shouldn't it? He says, verse 2, that through him we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. I've been given access, which I didn't have before. That that word means the opportunity to be in the presence of a superior. Like like if in in those days, if, if you got to go into the throne room and you got to stand before the king. Not everybody got to do that. Now, this might be silly, but but I remember when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I got to meet one of my heroes. Um, uh, I used to listen uh, to the music of a guy named Steve Green. Ever heard of Steve Green? Steve Green was awesome. I loved listening to Steve Green. And Steve Green made some albums for kids where, where he would take scripture and he'd put it to music. And I love those albums. A- any other uh, Hide Them In Your Heart kids uh, out there? I see that hand. Uh, yeah, so if you, if, you, if you know that, if you're feeling that, then you can get kind of excited about this. Maybe not everybody else would feel it. But I got the opportunity to go to Steve Green's concert. 
And I remember afterwards, my parents, uh, they, they wanted to let me get the chance to meet him. And, and so I remember standing in line and, 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 and finally we got up to Steve Green. I think he actually like, he signed an autograph. I think it was probably like a bulletin or something, but he like, I got his autograph. I was blown away by the opportunity to be in the presence of Steve Green. I got to meet this guy. Now that might not be all that impressive to you, but you could probably think of other people in your life that you'd be starstruck to meet. And you'd be excited to tell the story a little bit because you don't normally have access to them. Even if you wanted to talk with them, even if you wanted to meet with them, even if you wanted to hang out with them, they don't have time for you. They don't know you. You don't have their cell phone. You don't stand a chance against their bodyguards. But he's saying, listen, you have access into this gracious and loving relationship with the God of the universe. You don't have to fear that, that, that he's going to kick you out or he's going to get angry. He's going to get annoyed. No, no, but you can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence because you have this relationship because of what Christ has accomplished for you. So can I just encourage you, if you're, if you're struggling to feel joyful and going through it, can you just take some time to consider where you'd be if Jesus had not died for your sins so that you could have peace with God. And just consider that for a minute, because I know like, when, when we're in the middle of it, all of our circumstances just feel so bad. Think about where you'd be if it wasn't for Christ. Praise God for what you have because of what he's done. We have peace with God. Here's the second reason. Second reason why I can have joy right now is this. He says, we have hope of the glory of God. We have hope of the glory of God. He says that in verse 2, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That word to rejoice there means to exult or, or to boast or to, to verbally show off. There are certain topics, there are certain subject matters that just really get you going there. You just, you just love to talk about it, like almost like you can't help it. Like some people are like, don't, don't get him started. You know what I'm talking about? Like if, if I'm having a conversation with somebody, and in the, in the course of that conversation, uh, that person mentions something about C.S. Lewis. I can literally feel my wife's eyes roll into the back of her head as she's like, oh boy, here we go again. Like, I just, I, I want to talk about it. What, what is that? What, what is it that gets you going? Can I ask you this? What do people hear you talking about lately? What, what's been getting you fired up? What's been getting you excited? Maybe it's something you love. Maybe it's something positive. Maybe it's something negative. Believers who are full of the joy of the Lord exult, boast. They can't stop talking about hope. The hope that we have because of Jesus. Listen, nobody in Christ is hopeless. Nobody in Christ is hopeless. No matter how bad, no matter how tough things get, we don't have to give in to despair or fear or worry, anxiety, or, or just give up. We rejoice in hope. And if you're struggling to rejoice under the circumstances you're in, maybe it's because you've forgotten the hope that you have even in those circumstances right now. So that you can rejoice. No matter what, we have hope. Let me be real for a minute and, and try to help you with this. Because joyful believers who have hope in God can still have sorrow. You can still have a, a, a longing for that hope to be fully realized. 
In fact, in just a couple chapters, in, in Romans chapter 8, Paul's going to say this, we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. We wait for it with patience. He's saying, I get it, it's hard. It's hard because we're still living in the already not yet reality of God's plan for redemption and restoration. That Jesus Christ has already freed us from the power and the penalty of sin, but he's not yet freed us from the presence of sin. Things aren't fully set right in the world right now, and so he says we groan inwardly because they're not yet. There's still sickness and death and division and hatred and injustice and abuse and divorce and greed and manipulation and, and disasters and tragedy. And so we're not talking about putting on a plastic smile and, and just pretending like everything's okay when it's not. We look around at all the, the, the brokenness in our world and in our lives, and we realize, like, this is the consequences of sin. Like, this is what happens when we've rebelled against our God. And so we groan. We long for the day. Because we still have hope. We have hope because we're waiting. That there's still something to come. It will not always be like this. And because we have hope, we can rejoice even as we groan. I think about Jesus. He's the one who really demonstrates for us really powerfully. Isaiah 53 tells us that he is the man of sorrows. Like if anybody knew sorrow, if anybody knew grief. And you just picture Jesus in, in the garden of Gethsemane and he's wrestling in agony before he's going to the cross. And yet, he submits to the will of the Father. And Hebrews chapter 12 told us it was for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross. He's teaching us that even in sorrow we can have joy because we have hope. And, and let's be clear. Biblical hope is not like the modern use of that word. We're talking about something like I... I like, I want that, but there's some uncertainty. Like, I hope it doesn't rain. Or I hope I don't get stuck in traffic on 66 at 5 o'clock when I'm coming out of D.C. Or I hope Chick-fil-A puts out their peppermint milkshake next week. Like, like I want that. Hope so. Not really sure. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is the confident expectation in the promises of God. He's going to do what he said. And so he says we rejoice in hope. Watch this. Of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, we can already see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ as he's revealed to us in his word. And so even now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. And as we are, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. As we read his word, we're growing in our love for Jesus Christ and the spirit of God is making us more and more like him as we see his glory on display in the pages of scripture. That's happening right now, but even better. One day, we have this awesome hope 
that he is going to return and that we are going to be glorified in his presence. He is going to set all things right. He is going to make all things new and we are going to live with him in glory forever. And so the certainty of our future gives us confident hope in the present and that's why we have the fruit of joy coming out of our lives no matter what circumstances we're going through. So let me just like encourage you. If there's... If there's something in your life right now that, that, that's, that makes you feel like, I just, I just don't feel like I can rejoice because I'm going through this or, or, or I'm dealing with, with that, whatever that is, can I just encourage you, let the promises of what Jesus has and what Jesus will accomplish fill you with hope. Now, you can still groan inwardly. You can still long for that. But we do it full of joy. Can I apply this to our current situation right now? Let's just, I mean, we're dealing with this election season. I know, even just thinking about that, some of you are like, I don't want to talk about that. I don't even want to think about this. I mean, people are losing their minds. And, and there's so much tension and, and people are on edge because they feel like the world is falling apart. You probably heard things like that. The stakes have never been higher and there's so much fear. And man, there's a lot of anger. And I've been thinking about you in this, and, and, and I just want to encourage you. I, I think there's an opportunity for us as the, as the body of Christ, as believers, as Fairfax Bible Church living in our community, we have an opportunity to demonstrate spiritual fruit. I've been praying that, that you're going to respond differently than everybody else around you, and that people are going to see joy coming out of your life. They're going to see the fruit of the Spirit that you're a person that even in the midst of all of this, you have so much joy because you have the hope of the glory of God. That our hope is not in the results or even the implications of a political election. And these things matter. But whether or not we're joyful doesn't have to and cannot be determined by our circumstances or current events. praying that you're going to be so reminded about these things. We're going to think biblically. That, that we're actually going to view the, the news and what's going on through the lens of Scripture. So, so we're living out the values of God's kingdom in the world. We have a responsibility to do that. And we're praying, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're groaning when that's not. When we're looking around and we're seeing brokenness all around us. But we're not losing our hope. We're not losing our confidence in Christ and his sovereignty and his goodness and what he's promised that he is going to do when he returns. And so even in the midst of all of this, we can rejoice. We can be full of joy. Man, what a sweet thing it would be if people saw Fairfax Bible Church right now living, not with fear, not with anxiety, not with anger, but with joy. And let me give you the third, third reason why we can have joy Right now, he says, we have hope even in suffering. We have hope even in suffering. Verse 3, he says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, none of us like suffering. It's not fun. I don't want to go through that. And what an encouragement, though, it is to know that God is using it in our lives to help us grow. Which is why you, you, you know this, James chapter 1, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds. Because when you know that God is making you more mature by using the suffering in your life to make you more and more like Jesus Christ, you can rejoice even when you're going through it. 
Because you realize God's, God's doing something through this. He says it produces endurance. I don't want to give up. I don't want to quit. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, drop out of the race. And suffering is endurance training. And that, uh, that, that endurance, he says, produces character. So as I faithfully endure, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus who endured the cross. And so I pick up my cross and I follow him by God's grace. And through his spirit, he is transforming me into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I'm becoming more like him. And as I'm becoming more like him, that produces then hope that the work that he started in me, in which I'm beginning to see some fruit, I'm beginning to see that, that progress is being made. Praise God, I'm not who I was once before. I know that work that he he started in me, he is going to accomplish because what God starts, he finishes. And that hope, he says, verse 5, does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. I don't have to be afraid that I'm going to be humiliated in the presence of God or that I'm going to be ashamed. I am not going to be disappointed because I am loved by God. And he's pressing that into me that I would know it now. You see, we're getting a glimpse into our future to see where suffering is taking us. And the assurance that we have right now of what he has and what he will accomplish so, so that even as things get really tough, we know we are loved. And we always will be. Praise God for his love for us. It's not something that I've been even experiencing in my own life recently. I would say this has kind of been a victory. It's been a tough season. And, and, and it's one of the things that's pretty cool, the sweet experience to be able to look back and, and see times of difficulty and, and be able to just say, like, man, by God's grace, I'm still standing. Like, that's not me. Like, I, I didn't do that. But he's been doing a work in my heart. Praise God. And I haven't always responded in the spirit. I, sometimes I'm responding in the flesh, but he's, he's working on that. And I'm still here even through hard times. And even when it's hard, I, like I have more joy than ever. Praise God for that. Praying that for you. Do you have a settled happiness right now? A settled happiness. Because you know Jesus. And you know what he has and what he will accomplish. And he's doing all of that for his glory and for your joy. Father, I give you praise. Thank you so much for the hope that we have in Jesus. That we can talk about joy. And we're not just being led by our emotions. We're being led by what we know to be true and we're responding accordingly. God, would you increase our faith? Would you help us to believe that these things are true? So that we hope in the glory of God. We even hope in our sufferings knowing that you are going to be maturing us through it. And we know where our suffering is ultimately taking us. We long for that day. And Lord, for my brothers and sisters who may be struggling, I just want to groan alongside of them. Weep with those who weep. I pray that you would remind them that even through tears, they can trust you. They can have confidence in who you are and what you're doing. That you're with them, that you love them. And you always will. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.